Welcome. We're so glad you joined us for this week's podcast from Pursuit City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our prayer is that you are both encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer or want to share a story about what God has done in your life, please send an email to amen at pursuitcc.com. Be blessed with today's message. We're closing out 2019. And however you may have thought 2019 would have looked, we're closing out 2019. It's finished. It's over and done with. We got a week and then it's gone. Right? But what I want to do is I don't want to close out 2019 without giving you an opportunity to praise God for what he's done. So for those of you who are bold enough and willing enough, I want you to come up here and give us a testimony of something that God did this year. Okay? How y'all doing? I'm just kidding. How y'all doing? <laughs> um, this year, 2019, I would have to say the best thing that's happened to me and my wife is we have received a church family. And I'll, I'll get emotional about it, but we have been searching for a church family for a very long time. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been really good. Everybody that's here, they love each other. They serve the church the way that it's supposed to be out of love, out of uh, just compassion for each other. And I love the outreach that's going on here. And I can't wait to do more. I can't wait to to grow this family and I can't wait to just get deeper into what God has for us here. And it's just made everything greater. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I love you, Jesus. Hit my mic, man. <laughs> Anybody else want to come share? Boom. All right. I, was, I, did, I didn't have anything, and then when he was talking, boop, popped in my head. Um, so, for the whole year, we always look forward to the You Matter Feast so far. And um, so the biggest blessing, I would say, is that is it coming through, coming to pass, and just the amount of help that we received. Um, the feedback that I got from a couple of people that aren't members of Pursuit on their bro own brokenness whenever they were serving other people, like one of them was my sister. And uh, she said she went on the whole drive home, she was just crying because she um, hasn't really had an opportunity to help others and to do what we did. And so we, organizing this doesn't just give the homeless an opportunity or those that have the lack of an opportunity to receive. It gives people like us, Christians, and, and people that want to give back but don't know how the opportunity to experience um, what it means to serve. And so she was just really just like, I'm... Man, she was like, sister, I'm so grateful that you invited me. I'm so glad I went. I mean, I just, she said, that was the first time that I approached someone, and especially the type of people that we have come. I mean, it's intimidating. You know, these people are without, but they're also, some of them can be very aggressive. And um, she has a very timid personality. And so she said, not once did I feel any fear or, or did I feel like, um, just like grossed out or anything like anything of those things that could pop in our mind were in those moments 
um, she just said that it was it was just a huge blessing for her to, to be able to serve. And so um, not just her, but other people. Um, and so the, the You Matter Feast this year um, was a blessing. Even we, we didn't get to hit the 500, but I mean, I always say it's always better to have more than to have not have enough. So we did have a little bit left over, but I'm really looking forward to next year and um, more events that we have. And um, the servanthood in this church is just amazing. That's one of the biggest things that attracted me to um, coming over here. So I'm just very blessed to be a part of this team and part of this church. Amen. Awesome. Anybody else want to come share? Okay, Gilbert. Come on. <laughs> I think I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure did. I trust me, I heard every word. <laughs> oh man. I I do have I do have a, a word that I feel like kinda sums up this past year, but first of all, Obviously, uh, I got married this past year, yeah. and and I always tell everybody that she makes marriage super fun, and it's been amazing. But it was so weird how we got married, and then it, it seemed that our everything outside of us was falling. Things were out of place. We didn't know what was coming when, but. If there's a word that could sum up this past year for us, I would say it's the Lord's providence, like the way he provided for us. Um, and I never thought that I would be in a place where my faith could be so different and so straightforward and so steadfast as opposed to when stuff around me doesn't seem that way, you know, when everything is uncertain. But my faith is different. My relationship with God is different throughout just, just one year. And um, being married obviously has, has changed my mindset a lot. And I've had to adapt and I've had to learn and I've had to grow with her. But um, I, I just think it's so amazing how God provided for us each and every step of the way. And so uh, I want to encourage you that you would continue to seek God and continue to read his word and to grow in that. Because when your faith is steadfast and with your faith... Is, is firm and grounded like it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter what comes it doesn't matter what it seems like it's it's all going to be okay amen, amen. so amen. God's been good <laughs> she makes it fun because you're so boring you know what I'm saying I'm <laughs> just kidding I love you bro <laughs> hey she's ready to throw blows at me because I said that man so you know you got a good one over there she's protecting you <laughs> You need it. <laughs> Anybody else want to share? Come on. Testimony, man. Testimony. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. So more or less, it's not what he's done. It's what he's continued to do. I don't know. I mean, this just might be me. Other people can relate. But sometimes, you know, serving up here for so many years, different churches, and you get more of that burnout feeling. You like start to wonder you know, am I just doing this because I'm used to doing it? Or am I doing it because, I, you know, I want to do it and where your heart is? And it was definitely one of those years for me. Earlier this year, I was kind of burned out, didn't know what I wanted to do, kind of questioning, not my faith, but just like my ethics up here, if that makes sense. So I prayed about it, read about it, and just he gave me the strength to finally realize where my heart is and what, like, 
what's the word? Remind me why I'm doing this, why I'm up here. I'm not up here to play bass. I'm not up here to play, no offense. I mean, for y'all, but I'm up here playing for him. And he just gave me that strength, you know. Everyone, um, we had our struggles throughout the year. And I just really have to say thank you for what, you know, like Gilbert said this morning, oh, man, I can't even talk right now. Just... <laughs> I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for giving me the strength to get through another year. And I cannot wait for 2020. Yeah. And just thank you yes. for everything you do. That's my head. Who's next? Come on, bro. Okay, bro. All right. Uh, go Packers. <laughs> just saying. You brought it up. Um, yeah, so I was sitting there and I was like, dang, I should really pull out a piece of paper and start writing it down. I was like, no, that'd be a whole sermon. So I, <laughs> I have got so many things to be thankful for. I'm sure that a lot of you can just sit there and just think of all these things to be thankful for. But um, the, probably the most, a couple of the most public things in our lives that have happened this year, mine and David's, um, one of our favorite little guys has been with us for four years. Um, someone we called a son. We prayed for those four years for him to be reunited with his mother and this year that happened. So that is all God. That doesn't happen in many cases. So we're super thankful for that. Um, we're super thankful. I'm super thankful for my safety and my car accident that happened just a couple of weeks ago, um, that God still has a bigger plan. I'm thankful that our marriage is nine years strong at this point. Next year will be our 10 year anniversary. And yes, and we're seeing changes within ourselves that are just, and, and within our, ourselves as a couple really, that we can only give God the thanks for. So things that, that um, a marriage typically can't last through, our marriage has lasted through and it's gonna continue to last. So I'm super thankful yeah. for that. Like I said, the list goes on and on, but those are my top three. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, Miss Jeannie. Let's go, let's go. Okay, I, I can't do this, so. You can. Uh, without getting them up, I tried to. Okay, so all I want to say is that um, over the last three years, God has been an unending blessing. And I'm in a, uh, a neighborhood where I'm faced daily with the homeless situation in our country, and it's not getting any better. And there doesn't seem to be a solution. And people tell me there have been homeless since the beginning of time. And I do know that, and I understand that, but it doesn't make it any easier to feel like you can't do anything about it. So there have been a couple times in the last year that God has put situations in my path that I never ever would have even thought of, um, where in, I've been able to help somebody who was on that brink or who I could just make them able to have housing longer. And it has been a great blessing to me at the same time that it was a blessing to them. And also, of course, this is my year of major transition as I'm retiring at the end of the year. So there's been all of the excitement and angst that goes into that transition. And he's carried me this far, and I know he'll carry me in 2020. Amen. Amen. All right, Miss Arlena, come on down. Looking very festive today. I love it. Where's the Santa hat, though? Uh, uh, you, you put it away? Oh, God. 
this year was a year of, of healing relationships for me. Uh, my sister and I, you know your sisters, they're your best friends and your worst enemies. <laughs> you know, depending on the day of the week. My sister and I, a couple of years ago, we hurt each other deeply. And it was just, it's taken... <laughs> Only your best friend? <laughs> well... I wish I could say this. No, no. My, my older sister and I, we fought since we were children. There was just never peace between us. And when she moved here to Corpus Christi, everyone in my family went, is that city big enough for both of you? <laughs> but she became my best friend. And, you know, like I said, uh, in 2017, we just, we went at it and it just didn't stop. The hurricane kind of brought us together a little bit. Like, I'm going to call make sure you're okay. She called make sure I'm okay. That's it. But this year, uh, God has just been healing that relationship. And, and it's just, it's so amazing what he can do when you think all is lost. It's not. It's just in his timing. So. Who's next? All right, Miss Angel. I'm going to knock on everyone's door today. <laughs> hey, your sister beat you too, man. Well, this year I've had a lot of blessings, but but the the the, the two big blessings I had. The first one was, of course, I gained a lot of independence. I was able to get my own apartment after almost two years of waiting and having to be patient and patient and patient. And finally, like all of my dreams came true. Um, and then, of course, um, just being able to get the help from my son that he needed this year. And, and uh, it's been a blessing to be able to see him, you know, get better and flourish. And um, so that's been the two things I'm grateful for. Amen. Yeah. Boy, Kenny's something else, man. Better watch out when he grows up. You, be, you better make sure he's on your team. That's all I got to say. Because <laughs> that kid will run you over, right? He's awesome. Who's next? Star loves. <laughs> Way to go, Angel. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm so hesitant to speak because it was a hard year for me, I would say. Um, just a good but hard. Uh, I had a lot of transition in my life this year. <clears throat> uh, this year I've never felt so far away from God, but also so close to him. Uh, it's a tough year, but like I said, there's a lot of good. I mean, ain't uh, Jasmine graduating, Jasmine getting married, my sister helping, getting to help her out, and uh, then getting to see the fruits of her labor, you know, and her being steadfast and listening to her older sister for once in her life. <laughs> so that was nice. But, um, yeah, then seeing her get to move out and then, you know, being blessed with Matt and Cheryl and their great family, they, you know, allowed me to come in. And I had Arlena willing to let me come in. And just, I think right now I'm just evaluating my life and seeing where I need to go from now. And so... This year has been a lot of transition. Again, I felt like I was in a desert for a while with God, but now I, I feel even closer to him. So uh, it took a while, but he finally slapped me back into place, I would say. And uh, so, I mean, transition. This year was transition for me. So next year I have no idea what's, what's next. So 
I mean, I'm just looking forward to that because I feel like next year I'm going to be used even more for him and, and what he wants me to do. So, and I don't know where that's going to take me or where I'm going to go, but I'm just looking forward to that. So, but thanks Matt and Cheryl for helping me through that too. So, um, and you guys just being able, you know, to be there for just each and every one of us. It's awesome. We do have a, a very close knit and sometimes I get frustrated because I want more people to feel this and more people to feel this and, and more people to encounter this love and friendship. And I actually just recently had a dream about it too and it involved in adopting another kid, but no, no. <laughs> but I think what I wanted to um, get from that is not adopting another kid, but just the closeness of our family because that's what it had to do with was I asked do you want me to take you in and she said nah don't don't worry about it and then when my family came which was y'all were a lot of y'all were in my dream and it was like the church family it was some other real family that I have and like uh, blood family and you guys and then after that meeting I looked at her and she was like that's your family I was like yeah that's what you would have if you came with me. And so I think that was what I got from <clears throat> that dream the most was the family that I have. And so, and anybody that walks into my life will get that. And I think that's what that was for. Not the kid, not the kid. Yeah. Praise God. Better watch out with those dreams about adoption, man. You're going to end up with a whole household of kids. <laughs> now I've already adopted a few into my house apparently so <laughs> anybody else nobody up in the media booth want to get out from behind the booth no no I'll be healed be healed anybody else no good well I think I should share this has been a very very interesting year for me and my family as well um, I mean, just from a uh, relationship level with our blood family, it's been a very interesting year, um, very difficult at times, but finally got some resolution in my own heart on some things, clarification in my own heart on some things. And as painful as things can be with family sometimes, God always is able to use that pain. And if you allow him, he can use that pain and really transform it into something that will just evolve into more love. You know, some people allow their pain to make them angry. And for a while, that was me. But I realized that in order for me to utilize these emotions properly, it needs to be translated into love. And maybe that's for some of you here, but that was my year, processing things emotionally. I'm not very much of an emotional person, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> you don't catch me crying at a movie. <laughs> okay, you're like, that's just not me. Uh, you know, my kids get hurt and they cry. I'm like, suck it up, dude. What's wrong with you? You know, why are you crying? Get over it. <laughs> you know, okay, you dropped your taco. I, okay, maybe that would make me cry. Maybe, maybe that one. Maybe that one. But I realized 
what God wanted to do with certain things. And that was on a family level. And then even right now, we're still in transition a lot, in a lot of ways um, with our careers and everything that we're doing with our family. And that has been an interesting mountain to climb. Very interesting. Because at times, when you're, when you're set out to do something, to accomplish something, and it's you know, a potential um, life change, it's a potential um, just complete challenge that you've never faced before, those things tend to push back on you. Those things tend to make you want to not move forward. You know when you're in a real challenge, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like not moving forward, when you feel like maybe I should just try something else. Maybe I should just do something else. Maybe I should just stop what I'm doing and just go a different direction because this isn't working. Those challenges, I think ultimately God used them to teach me even more about just moving forward and sticking to the plan and and just walking in, in the direction he's told me to walk in. And so I'm thankful, as weird as it sounds, I'm thankful for the mountains this year. I'm thankful for them because I always recognize when I come down from the mountain, I learned a lot about climbing. I learned a lot on how to get over something. I learned a lot on how to accomplish something. And so right now I'm still climbing up a mountain, but I'm thankful for this mountain because it continues, God continues to use it to teach me about what it takes really to follow him because your relationship with Christ, your journey as a believer is a mountain to climb. It's a mountain to climb. It's never easy. You know, when you're going downhill, it's all good. But as soon as you get downhill, guess what's coming right next? You know, you got another mountain to climb. And if you can learn to do that, you'll always be okay. So I'm thankful this past year, there have been many, many, many mountains. I could almost name one almost every single month, you know, that had to be dealt with. And God came through every single time. And I'm looking forward to 2020. Amen. Everybody just praise God for what he's done in our lives. Amen. It's been a good year. It's been a good year. Uh, there's always going to be downs. There's always going to be hard days, man. There's always going to be days where you feel like, man, what am I doing? But then God shows you why you're doing what you're doing. He gives you, you know, that vision. And if you just pay attention He'll use everything to speak to you. Amen. So this morning, we're going to continue in our message series called Loophole. And I promise, I promise, I promise, I'm not going to preach long. <laughs> she laughs. Brooke's been around a while. She knows already. <laughs> She's like, oh, we'll see about that. Huh? So I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 33. Hopefully you guys have gained some insight by now on the understanding of grace and mercy. Let's do it at the recap. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, right? It's that favor. It's that unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He loves us. His goodness, his blessings, like all these things, that's his grace, right? He covers us. Mercy is him withholding what we do deserve. 
It's him stopping, you know, what we really should be dealing with. You know, you think you're dealing with problems, and yet that's God's mercy. Chew on that. <laughs> you think you're dealing with issues, and that's God's mercy. Because it could have been a whole lot worse. Okay? Because he's actually holding back things that we deserve to be dealing with. You walk in his mercy every single day. And every single day you should be dealing with something that he's holding back. That's his mercy. It's beautiful, isn't it? So we've talked about the different areas about what a loophole is, how God has designed these things to become loopholes. We talked about last week Mephibosheth, right? And God used this young man who didn't earn his place, didn't deserve to be there, but because David was a man of his word, he honored his covenant with his father, Jonathan. And that young boy became David's friend for the rest of his life, got to eat at the king's table. And in the process, his servant, Ziba, got blessed as well. His whole family and his 1,500 kids or whatever he had, they all got blessed. They got to have a whole house to live on. And that's what God does. This week... I want to take a little different approach because I think a lot of times we struggle humanity in general struggles with the concept of following a God that you cannot see people struggle with the idea that we would serve lay down our life preach give money be involved in all these things to worship a God that we cannot see, we cannot touch. And most people who don't live the life that we live would say that we're foolish or how can you give your life to something like that when there's no proof like there's all these things that people will say and do to use as some sort of crutch to lean on to say that what we're doing has no purpose and has no meaning and question the existence of God and all these things and I know you know people like that I know you've met people like that you maybe used to be a person like that I used to be a person like that I almost thought I was an atheist at one point. But yet God has a way of revealing himself. God has a way of demonstrating who he is. So I want to highlight a story this morning. In the book of Exodus chapter 33 and verse 7, it says it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, 
Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people apart and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to you, to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. This is such an interesting story to me. Number one, Moses was doing something that was on all accounts, the very beginning, the very inception of what today is known as Judaism. So today you, you have a whole cultural, religious side of, of a belief in God called Judaism and they still practice everything you see in the Bible in the Old Testament where they have priests and uh, they have the, the tabernacle and they kill animals to cleanse their sins and they still do that today in the Middle East um, because they believe that the Torah is the only scripture they follow and they still believe the Messiah has not come yet. And that is their belief system. That whole belief system has its roots in what Moses was doing here. Later on, you read the book of Leviticus and you'll find the whole lineage of the priests called the Levites and how God appointed them to be the priests that ministered to him. And you could not go into the temple unless you were a Levite. And basically, in order to get your sins absolved, you would go to the priests and tell them what's going on and give your offering. And then they would go to God on your behalf. This is where a lot of the roots come from for the Catholic Church, where you have to go to the priest and confess your sins. All of that stuff stems from actually Moses, from this story right here. This is a crazy story. Imagine 
coming out of your house to watch a man go into a tent and a pillar of fire would just come down from heaven. And you knew that was God. Like their perception, what God decided to demonstrate himself in was fire, just a pillar of fire because they could not see his true form. He said it very clearly. You cannot see me in my true form or you will die. But yet here, this is what's so interesting to me. Here Moses is inside a room by himself with the Lord <laughs> in a way that we'll never understand. And yet he's asking if he will show him his glorious presence. Think about that for a second. You're literally talking to God in whatever form he's arrived in, whether he's walking around like a flame or, but yet you're still asking to show me your presence. This is the cry of humanity. I don't judge people when they say, how do you know God's real? There's no proof. Moses was asking for proof of who God was even deeper with God standing right there. This is the human problem. Our mind has a hard time grasping and understanding what we experience. And even when we're experiencing God in a deep, deep form, we question his presence. Moses did that. Straight to the face of God. So I don't, I don't judge people when they say, I don't feel close to God. Man, Moses is right there and still wanted more. He still wanted more proof. He's talking to him like a friend talks to his friend. And he's still saying, show me more. I, I, I want to know that you're with me. Are you going with me? Like when I go, or are you going to go? With, how, how are they going to know you're with me? How are they going to know I have your favor? Like he's still asking the same questions we ask. And yet he's the only one allowed in. He's the only one that can get that close. All of the other people can't get that close. They didn't have that relationship. Moses is, we learned this last week about David. What was David like? He was a type of Christ, right? Moses is a type of Christ. You will see this about certain men throughout scripture. They are considered a type of Christ where they do something that you only really see Christ do later on. Moses did something that you only really see Christ do later on. And that is he had a face-to-face -face conversation relationship with God, the Father. Okay? Nobody else had that. Moses did. He started that relationship. God decided to come down in a pillar of fire and, and show himself in a certain way to Moses. And Moses is still there, standing there going, I want to see your face. How do I know you're real? How do I know? How are people going to know you're with me? Like, we're asking all the same questions Moses is asking. So I'm not mad at people when they ask those questions. It's actually a sign of true pursuit of who God is. 
To me, that's, that's, that's what a sign is of someone that's truly pursuing more of who God is because they're wanting to know. Just like Moses wanted to know. Just like David wanted to know. Just like I, I want to know. Anybody ever got crazy in your prayer closet and say, Lord, if you, if you show me your face, like, just show me your face, you know, like, anybody ever done that? Like, I want to, I want to see you, you know? And I'm the only crazy one here. <laughs> we all get that way. I want to be like Moses. Show me, show me everything. We can't handle it. <laughs> we can't handle the truth. <laughs> What's amazing to me is God made a couple promises here. And the, the promises he made to Moses, he makes to us. He said, I will go with you. My presence will be with you. You will not be alone. And then he says, I will show you more of me. I will show you my glory. And you know what he showed him? His backside. Can you imagine that the glory of God is on the backside of him? I wonder what his face is like. To see the back of him was to see his glory. I wonder what his face is like. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name. His goodness, his glory, he passed by. And not only that, he covered the rock with his hand. He couldn't even take it without being covered by his hand. This to me is just a sign of the fact that we may think of God in one way, but he is so vast and so amazing that our eyes just simply cannot take it. Our humanity can't take it. Our nature can really not take God's nature. We see things from such a limited perspective, man. Such a limited perspective. If you've ever been in a situation, talking about mountains earlier, if you've ever been in a situation where you're literally looking at something and saying, there's no way out of this, or you feel all hope is lost, or you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, how are we going to get through this? Or maybe there's a debt looming over your head and you can't seem to get out from under it. How is this going to go away? You feel like so much weighs you down. You feel like there's just some things in your life that are impossible. That's our limited perspective. In its purest form. We see problems and we see no way out. But when we see God, 
for some reason, we still need more proof. Man, if, if, if we were as faithful to God as we are to our problems, maybe we'd see more of God. Because we dwell on our problems. We, we think up 200 different ways to get out of our problems. We dream up 40 different ways to solve our problems. We're dreaming of it at night. We're thinking of it when we wake up. We're dealing with it all day long. We're fighting over it. We're talking about it. We're trying to ignore it. All these things that we try to do to deal with the issues that are in our life. If we were that committed to seeing God, maybe we would see more of him. Here's Moses standing inside of a tent alone with the creator of himself. And he is asking the questions, how are they going to know that you're with me? Like, he's still looking at problems. How, how, how is your favor going to follow me? How, how are we going to do this? Are you going to go with us? What, what's the deal? I want to see you, God. I want to see more. Like, he is still highlighting the very things that we highlight. How is this thing going to get solved? How is this issue going to come, you know, smoothed over? How, how are people going to know? Is there going to be any proof? Like, he's got God right there. And he's asking the most human questions. This is what we do. This is our nature. God desperately wants to see us face to face so what does he do he figures out a way to speak to us face to face without incinerating us how does he do that he sends his son you see there was a problem with the relationship of man and God. I know it's difficult, but follow me. I, I know it's, it's, it's beyond our ability to conceive, but follow me. When God created Adam and Eve, perfection's not even a word you can use. It's otherworldly. This planet probably looked very different. In fact, it did look very different. Adam and Eve probably looked very different from the way we look. It's otherworldly. We can't even compare it. The solar system probably looked very different. Get your mind around it. Nothing that was created looks the same as it was then. It has been changing since the day it was created. Get your mind around it. God creates Adam and Eve. There's perfection there. There's relationship. Face 
to face. They saw God in a way that we will never understand. They spoke to him in a way that we will never get. Our mentality cannot comprehend that, not because we're human, but because we're sinful. That's it. We cannot comprehend what that was like, not because we're human, but because we exist in a state of sin that Adam and Eve was not born into. We were born into something they were never born into. And so all we know is limitation. All we know is a ceiling. All we know is that our ceiling is heaven's floor. And I'm looking through that ceiling and it's made of glass. You can almost see through it. And I'm wishing one day I can break through that ceiling. Get your mind around it. They saw God face to face in a way we will never understand. And yet they still ask the question, is there more? That's what the enemy used to tempt Eve. If you eat this, you will be more like God. There, there was still something left to be desired because even though as perfect as they were, they were not 100% like God. They were made in his image. And without being God himself, perfection, mm, it's close. It's so close but not 100%. And can you imagine God who created humanity for the purpose of relationship, not the purpose for us to, you know, go and build buildings and do what we do and claim that we know it all. <laughs> That's not why he did it. He created humanity for one thing and that was relationship. And that's the one thing the enemy went after. If he could break the relationship, maybe I have a chance at turning this thing into what I want it to be. Adam and Eve in the garden, a perfect setup, perfect situation. And yet they're questioning. They're trying to find answers to questions that don't really even need to be present. But that's what we do, isn't it? We ask questions to problems we don't even need to venture out into. And so God says, there's only one way that they're ever going to see me again. He sends his son. And Jesus says something so interesting, so bizarre, yet so real and raw. He says one thing. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the statement that got him nailed to a tree. And yet that was the truest thing he ever said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what Jesus did was he removed the need for a priest to go to God on your behalf. He removed the need for someone like Moses to go into a tent and disappear and hope that God covered all of our sins. 
You see, they did that all the way up until Jesus' death. They did that. In order to get your sins absolved, you had to go to the priest, bring your offering, bring your sacrifice, and say, please go to God on my behalf. And they would go back there into different layers of this veil. It was like a maze. They'd have to go in there, this priest, they, and they'd have bells on their ankles. And they would knew he was still alive if you could hear the bells. That's why they wore them. If they stopped hearing the bells, they said, he might be dead, we need to go in there and get him. Because maybe there was sin in the priest's life and he took one look at God and he was killed. Like, this is all in the Bible. And this was the way it worked. You want your sins absolved, you gotta go to the priest and hope he's clean enough to go to God on your behalf and hope he doesn't get killed in the process. Jesus comes and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're putting an end to this system. We're putting an end to this thing that says there's, there's these layers between you and God. It was separation between you and God. You have to go to this person. You don't got to come to me to go see God. Go talk to God. There was layers of separation, layers of hierarchy, layers of authority just to get your message across to the Father. And Jesus comes and says, it's enough. That's not how this thing was designed to go. We're going to come back to the way it was. He wanted a face-to-face -face relationship with Adam and Eve. He wanted a face-to-face -face relationship with Moses. He wanted a face-to-face -face relationship with David. He had the face-to-face -face relationship with his son and said, now you teach them what a face-to-face -face relationship looks like. And it's very simple. Very simple. What he did on that cross tore the veil of separation. It tore the separation between us and the Father. And if we will just understand that when he tore that veil, he tore the human condition down with it. You don't have to question anymore. You simply have to say, I know you're with me. Guys, y'all can come back up. I'll close with this. We read in the beginning how Moses always had a tent of meeting. That's how they connected with God. They would go get the tent, set up the tent, go inside the tent, pray. Everybody would watch him go inside the tent. It was all about the tent. This, this structure, this, this thing that said, this is how we connect with God. And although it has a lot of correlations, I think what the deepest meaning of it is, is that that should still be a focus. It just should be a focus in a different way. You should set up a tent in your own heart. See, the tent moved from a physical location to a spiritual one. You are no longer required to physically go to a tent to see God. You are able to be alone at night in your room and see God and speak to him and talk to him 
and follow him and ask him questions and not only ask questions but get the answers see now even though you may be questioning at times God will still show up and God will still reveal himself if you've ever been in that dark place and shouted at God and asked him all these questions and didn't hear anything back but then weeks later he finally starts speaking just remember he doesn't operate in our timetable see for him that might have been a split second the Bible says a day is but a thousand years to God and a thousand years is but a day. To him, it's all relative. You can throw your temper tantrum all you want. You can cry out as long as you want. Daniel prayed for 21 days and fasted. The angel showed up and said, yeah, we heard you on the first day, but we were kind of busy. We were over here dealing with this issue over here. Prince of Persia had a problem. The angel was trying to explain to him, you didn't really have to fast 21 days. You know that, right? I mean, you go read the story. It's kind of funny. Like, we heard you the first day, okay? It's just, we're not on your timetable. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a God that can handle your petitions and mine? That's enough to make somebody go crazy. A God that can handle all of our needs and desires and hopes and aspirations and dreams and yet you're his favorite and so am I a God who is omnipresent everywhere at once no one can do that he's the only God of all religions that actually says he's still alive do you know that <laughs> Of all the religions in the world, of all the belief systems that are out there, of all the gods that people worship, he's the only one that said, hey, by the way, I'm alive. Everyone else worships a God that says they were dead at one point. We serve a living God. A true God. A God that wants to see us a God that wants to hear from us, a God that is not afraid of our issues. He does not look at you and start judging you and start counting all the different ways that you're wrong. He simply says, I want to know you more. Jesus said it over and over. If you don't know me, then there's no point to this. If you don't know me, there's no point to you doing all the churchy stuff you do. You must know me. I must know you. There's got to be a relationship. That's true. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you for every opportunity to get to know you deeper. I pray as we sing, as we worship, that we just don't think of you as distant and far off, but we think of you as right next to us. I pray against all doubts, all unbelief, 
all worry, all fear. None of that is from you. None of that is in your nature. Help us to leave everything behind that doesn't belong to us and follow you in all ways. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support this ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets using at PursuitCC. Have a blessed day.